I've got a, a message today that's actually very different than, than things I, I would normally bring, but I really felt God on it, and so we're just going to press into it a little bit. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about today about the year in review, the year in review. See, I have different businesses, and I'm very entrepreneurial and motivated and kind of a, I'm a builder planter kind of person, and I've always had projects on the go. And something for me that I've always prized is planning. Is the ability to find out what I need to do now to move forward. But that's where a lot of people go wrong is because that's all they do. One of the things that makes people great is their ability to turn around and look back and see what did I do well. But equally, what did I make mistakes on and do poorly? Because sometimes we coddle or we nurture our emotional side so that we don't have to face failures because we don't like the way that makes us feel. But in order for us to have true success in whatever we pursue to do in life, we actually have to recognize where we have deficits. And if we don't do that, then we will ultimately be destined to repeat the same errors of the past season and relive that same heartache. And eventually, when you repeat those things enough, you concede to that as just your, oh, that's just my luck, is what people say. I don't believe in luck, but that's what people say. I'll never get that, da 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 because you've just allowed something to be so tolerated that it's been repeated so many times that you've accepted it. Does that make sense? So I'm a strong believer in actually recognizing where we've gone wrong so we can adjust and go further. Does this make sense? So um, one of the questions that we're going to talk about today is what giants need to fall in our life in 2020? That was supposed to fall in 2019. Because there's some things that we didn't get. And there's some things we were supposed to get. Right? And this is not to make anyone feel uncomfortable or awkward. Let's just get brave and stop avoiding the obvious thing that needs to be addressed. See, the children of Israel, when Goliath was talking, they kept avoiding the issue. And the more they avoided the issue, the stronger and the bigger he looked. But David, he dealt with it as soon as he got there and he killed the giant the same day. And the problem is, is that certain things, if we leave them, they become habitual. And when things become habitual, we become addicted to crutches that were never meant to hold us. Whether that's sin, whether that's character, whether that's bad habits, bad people groups, bad relationships, it doesn't matter what it is. When When we refuse to call something what it is, You can tell me a million times that a zebra is a horse, but I'm not going to believe you. You've convinced you, but you're not going to convince anyone else. You just stood there long enough and looked at it, and you just pretended like you couldn't see the stripes. But that little thing's like a donkey with stripes. It is not a horse. Okay? So so I've got some questions. Like I said, um, this is going to be a little different today. And I wasn't fully sure at first that this is what God wanted, but he kept telling me this is what I want you to do. So I'm going to do it. 
Okay, so I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. They're not rhetorical. You don't need to call out and blurt, say, blurt. no, 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 you don't need to, you keep that to yourself. <laughs> Please. Okay. So here's a question. Have I progressed this year? See, sometimes what we'll do is we'll be, oh, well, I progressed through the year. Yeah, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I made it the other side, like, you know, I'm missing a couple of teeth, but no, that's not what I'm saying. Have I moved forward with my life? Can I honestly say that I'm happy with how I've advanced in my heart, in my soul, my spirit in 2019? Or have I stayed the same? And I would hate to say this, but it's the truth, is that most people stay very similar to how they started. Because most people don't plan for movement. Most people don't actually want to embrace the turbulence of change. Because mm. change, when you turn a plane in the sky, while you're flying a plane straight, you're actually in a certain slipstream of air. But when you begin to turn that plane round, the wings begin to feel the pressure of not just the speed, but the g-force of the plane turning. And so when you change course, the same thing's true with a ship. When you change course, there's actually a strain that starts to kick in, and you start to feel a shift, and it adds pressure, and people don't like that. So they'll start on January 1st at the gym, and by January 18th, they've stopped going to the gym, and they've got a daily visit to Dunkin' Donuts. You know it's true. Because people don't like change. Because change applies pressure to the soul. And what I mean by the soul is it applies pressure to the emotional realm. And we're weak because we make promises, not covenants. We make promises that easily can be, well, you know, I didn't really mean that when I said it. And we, we've, quitting is an addiction. The first time you've done it, that the first time you've done it, you've just taught yourself how to fail every time. Wow. Yeah. There has to be something in us that fights ferociously for integrity of soul. Yeah. So have I progressed this year? One of the things that I personally have, have done every year is at the very beginning, I will sit down and every area of my life, whether it's business, there'll be a column for business, family, uh, ministry, church, whatever that looks like, um, different, you know, personal health, all those different things, I will write, this is my goals. See, in the book of Habakkuk, it says, write the vision down, make it plain, and send a runner. Even if it tarries or takes longer, it will happen, it won't delay. But there's something about writing your intentions down. Because there's just something about a declaration of putting something in, in concrete, if I could say it that way. Where, where, I've got a concrete business, but <laughs> concrete flooring business. Jake just smiled at that. But there's something about actually putting something where you actually feel like, see, like you can whisper it in your bedroom and then it disappears into the dust of your, of your carpet. Yeah. Right? But if you actually write this statement, I am going to be healthy. 
I am going to write a book. I am going to lose weight. I am going to deal with that relationship that's toxic in my life. I am going to overcome that thing that I always give into when I'm emotionally weak, lonely, or sad. Hello? I'm going to conquer that. There's something about writing down your intentions and your plans. And then you come back to it, and I've reviewed it every year, and I have about an 80 to 90% hit rate, sometimes 100. Because there's something about... let, Let me say it like this. If you get in it, does anyone here like to sail? I love sailing boats, like big sailing boats that can cross oceans. There's something really amazing about a sailing boat because you harness the power of the wind and you're quietly moving through the ocean, slicing it, and you're traveling, right? But the problem with that is if you don't have a compass and actually decide, I am going to sail from here to Waikiki Beach in in Oahu, you're going to end up in Japan. Because you're like, well, let's just just start and see where the wind takes us. That sounds really romantic, Romeo. (laughs) But it it doesn't have a plan with it, bud. Right? It's just called floating and seeing what will happen. And that just ends up in a shipwreck. Probably, literally. But if you know where you're going, even when the wind changes course and the seasons of life shift, you are still focused on where you decided to go. And you're like, I'm not going to let this change in life stop me. I've already decided that I'm going to move in a certain direction. Because I'm sick, because I just saw that 2018 and 2019 was me wandering. I'm going to start getting pinpoint focused. You see, sometimes the, the greatest driving factors in my life have been the frustrations of the past season. And when I'm pushed enough with frustration, discomfort, uh, anxiety, or, or, dis, or dysfunction, I don't know if I said dysfunction, or even chaos, when that, or pain, when pain, pain is your greatest motivator. People say it's joy, it's not, it's pain. That's a fact. The question is, How long are you going to let the dysfunction in your life cause pain before you do something about it? And how many seasons do you want to live in a desert before you decide to move to the oasis? That's the question. Because too often or not, we'll be like, well, I was born in a desert. My people are from a desert. I can at least put a tent up in the desert. I can, I can go to Bed Bath & Beyond and make the desert look cute. <laughs> right? Or Pier 1, whatever your jam is. <laughs> Little Cracker Barrel. <laughs> right? Crate and Barrel, I mean. Not Cracker Barrel, but crack, if, 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 crate and bar- if Cracker Barrel's your jam, you can do that too. In the desert. You can go and eat and feel bad for yourself. Eat yourself happy. Hello. I'm telling the truth right now. I'm just here to ask questions today. I'm not trying to preach a message. Because the best message you can get is the one where you say, hey, actually, how am I doing? You don't need anyone else. You need yourself to ask you this question. Here's the next question. Number two, where have my victories been? Sometimes you have to recognize your victory moments. 
make sure actually every time you have to recognize your victory moments. Because when you refuse to look at how you've won, all you'll see is how you've been defeated. So you have to look at how I did well. Where are my strengths? Where did I, where did I do great? Because that just, re- I need that encouragement. Because, because one victory will lead to another. When you see that you tried to do something and you succeeded, it will encourage you to the next venture. And you actually need to teach yourself that you can do. I can. Because there's enough people out there telling you that you can't. And your own fears and the devil talking in the background that you can't, but you can. The Bible tells you that you can do all things through Christ. That means all things are achievable. Crazy business ventures. Come on, somebody. You can get married this year. You can meet that person, single people. You can have a healed marriage, somebody. You can get your health right. You can get your finances in order. You can get that job and that career that you needed. You can. You just got to say, yes, I believe. God is with me. I can do this. God's on my side. God's on my side. He's in my corner. I've got some victories. I'm going to get some more. I just need a victory or two to see that I can do it, that God's with me. Who can be against me? You just need to get those moments where you say, I had a win in January. I had a win in April. I had a win in July. I didn't win in August, but I won in September. I got that thing there. You see, you start to recognize where God has been good, but you've been determined. Come on. And where, where you did well. It's like, yeah, I went to the gym every day in August. Awesome. Now, next year, I'm going to take that and apply that to the whole year. Whatever that looks like for you. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. We can shift our lives. So see where you've done well. The the third question, where have I tolerated stagnancy? Where have I tolerated stagnancy? Well, if I just go to church every five weeks, at least people are still seeing me. I'm I'm not trying to mess with anyone. I'm just, look, this, this message is just designed to call everybody higher. Okay? Well, if I go to the gym every eight weeks, that still counts, right? If I eat a salad once a week, come on. If I don't cuss one week a day, sorry, one day a week. Oh, man. I went really south. Where have I tolerated stagnancy? Have I not talked to Jesus for two weeks at a time? When was the last time I read my Bible? Did I actually be with him at all? Or did I just be with him at church? Is he truly the affection of my life? Or am I cruising with the label of Christian but not the heart? Where have I tolerated stagnancy? Where my soul has been rotting and I've known it, but I've kept myself busy so that I didn't see it. Come on, somebody. We can do better. We can soar. We can grow. Come on. Okay. Fourth question. What am I still afraid of? 
God has not given you a spirit of fear. So why am I afraid of stuff? For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That means that nothing should paralyze me with fear. But what am I still afraid of? Well, I'm still afraid of being alone and single for the rest of my life. And the devil torments me about that every day. I'm still afraid that I might end up in hell. The devil torments me about that every day. That's an identity issue. That's an identity issue that the devil's trying to tell you that you're not saved. Come on, somebody. If your heart's condemning you and there's issues in your life that you need to work through, work through them. But the devil can't steal your salvation. Only you can give that up. Hello. It takes a lot to give that up too, by the way. I wouldn't play with that. Here's the deal. No, I'm serious. Here's the deal. The goal here is not to be carnal Orange County, California, secular church and figure out how close to the line we can go and tipping our little tiptoes, doing our our little demonic two-step over the line a couple of times. The goal is, is how far can I run from the line and sit at the feet of Jesus? That's the goal. The goal isn't how relevant can I look. I don't need to look. Jesus didn't look relevant. But he was all the prostitutes and lepers and, and the, 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 what people would call the scum of the earth were comfortable hanging out with him. So you don't need to be relevant in your lifestyle. You be relevant in your love. Okay. You love people. You don't have to lower your standards. Well, I just need to smoke a joint so they know that I'm cool. No, you need a hit around the head. I'm just joking, but if the shoe fits. <laughs> That's Romans 4.20, dude. That's a different 4.20. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's not Romans. I'm just, I'm just blowing it out. I'm blowing it out. That was not a reference. Okay. Next question. What is my personal culture? See, we hide behind church culture. We hide behind friends culture. And we let our pastor be Jesus for us. But what is my personal culture when no one's looking? Who am I when the door's closed? I might even fool my pastor. I might fool my friends. I might fool my home group leader. But who am I when the door closes and I leave everybody? Do I change my hat? But who am I when nobody's looking? Has, Has my personal culture... With, in my heart, been overcoming sin? Or has it been feeding sin? I'm just asking questions today. I'm not preaching a message. You have to answer these privately between you and Jesus. I just felt like he told me to ask these questions. Because you've got to look at 2019. Like, yeah. See, this is the classic American culture here. Yeah, 2019 was great, man. Like, it was awesome. 2020, 2020 vision, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be awesome, man. 
No, hang on. Let's just put, let's put all the hype down for a second and let's get honest with ourselves. Have I truly, have I truly been overcoming in my life? Have I truly been victorious? Or am I just trying to tell myself that I've been victorious? Because in my heart, I know that I've been broken and defeated. And I'm literally more in bondage to sin than ever in relationship with Jesus. And I'm terrified to even have that conversation with myself. This is stuff we need to talk about. And you don't need to call out answers. Like, if you need counseling after this, let's get, let's get some time. Because this is, we need the real gospel. We don't need, hey guys, God loves you and everything's great. Carry on sinning. We'll see you next week. (laughs) God bless you. Jesus loves you. He does love you enough to kick your butt to change. And you imagine, you're sitting there watching your pornography and Jesus in the corner. Can we talk? I feel really left out right now. I feel like you don't want me. You just want my blood. And you're sitting in your dark room on your phone, on your computer, and then you come to church and you're praising God like nobody knows. And Jesus ain't in your life. Can we have some real talk here? We are having real talk. (laughs) Okay. Has my personal culture been overcoming sin or am I defeated in sin? Here's how you know you're defeated in sin. You're asking God for forgiveness every other day for the same thing and there's never freedom. That means you're defeated in sin and you're actually abusing the grace of God. Now that's the truth. A lot of preachers won't tell you that because they're they're afraid of losing people. That's the truth scripturally. That's a fact. The Bible actually refers to it as, again, crucifying the Lord. Again. That's what the Bible says. When you constantly... See, grace is not a hall pass because you messed up. Grace is the power of God so you don't have to mess up. That's what grace is. Grace empowers you to not need to do that stuff. Now, when we sin, because it's not the fact of like, well, I'm a Christian, we don't sin anymore. We do sin. We mess up. But we don't have a lifestyle of sin so that we can return to sin. Come on, say it. Come on. Hello. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. Like, we've all got junk, myself included. You might think, oh, you're just perfect. No, I'm not. I have issues. I'm a human being. I'm not an angel. (laughs) Ask my wife. She's like, hallelujah. <laughs> he finally admitted it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But we just need to hear sometimes, like, you know, I grew up in a church where I never heard one preacher ever talk about the fact they had issues and struggles with their, with their old nature and sin life. We've all got the struggles, guys. We all have to deal with stuff. But you've got to do something about it, not tolerate and live in stagnancy. Well, I might as well just give up. And now that I've given up with pornography, I might as well sign up to Tinder and start meeting up with people. Hello? This stuff's really happening out there. Okay. This was supposed to be a lovely, like, New Year's Eve, pre-New Year's Eve message. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, I'm having fun, actually. I'm not upset about it. 
Here's the next question. What does my prayer life look like? Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. Okay, see you tomorrow. That's not prayer life. Do I even talk to God? Or is God just the person that I call? He's got him, I've got him on speed dial right at the end in case there's an emergency. He's my emergency life support guy that you call if anything goes wrong. Or is he actually your friend? Come on, somebody. Okay. Next question. How much of the Bible have I read consistently? Not, I had a burst for two weeks where I like woke up and I woke up in September 11th because, you know, I realized that stuff, bad stuff happens in the world. And I read the Bible real strong for two weeks. And then the rest of the year, there was like three verses. Well, I do go to church and we hear a lot of scripture at church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what you've cultivated personally with God and how much of the book you've actually read. How much of the book do you consistently read each day, each week, each month? Because this book right here, this is, I was telling someone recently, this is what David said. You guys, you guys know David? God said, David didn't say this, God said, David, you are a man after my own heart. I want God to say that to me. I, because he's my daddy, he's my father. I want him to say, see, my, my children, I can look at them and I see myself there. I, when I look at their little faces, I see my DNA. I see little Andrew. You see, I want God to say, I see little me when I look at you. And God said that to David. He said, you're a man after my own heart. This is what David said. David said, your word, O Lord, I have hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you, that I may not sin against you. See, well, I'm just dealing with sin. Okay, how much of the book have you read? Well, I'm just living this lifestyle. I've kind of given it, maybe God, someone told me this year, well, I think God just made me this way. God didn't make you that way, dude. Because 20 times in a few passages, it literally says that if that, that lifestyle will take you to hell. And God, God loves you, but he doesn't love you enough to change his word. Because if he changed his word, he would no longer be God. Are you with me? God would literally abdicate the throne to denounce one of his laws. Get that. God cannot change his word. The problem is, is that we don't read the book, so the word starts to twist in our mind, and we make it become something else. And Satan comes and says, has God really said? And you're like, yeah, you know what? I think, I think we're in a new season. And it shifts in our mind. Because this book here, it's monotonous. And it's not necessarily every day. It's like, woohoo, let's read the book. <laughs> right? It's real. Netflix is calling my name. No, no. I need to read this book. And when I'm reading this book, sometimes I don't like what I'm reading because it challenges me and insults my flesh. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Because yeah. it's telling me that I'm wrong. Right. And who here loves to find out that you're wrong? I know you get out of bed and say, you know what, today, I just hope someone tells me I'm wrong because I'm ready for that. Bring it. I really want that. 
I was dreaming about it last night. And today, if anything happens, God, if anything happens, I just need to know I'm wrong. There's no one on the planet that wakes up thinking that. Not one person. But that book's telling you you're wrong and that you need to change. So when you read that book, it adjusts you. It shifts you. It's like, no, I can't do that. See, I'm walking around in my business or I'm walking around in life, relationship, different people, different things I'm doing, and I go to do something or I'll start to say something and I'm like, oh, no, stop that. No, no, I don't want to hurt my father. Going to go do that? Oh, no, 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 that's bad wisdom. Because in Proverbs it tells me da-da-da-da-da. See, for us, we haven't bought a house yet, but in Proverbs it says that a wise farmer first establishes his field Then he builds his house. (coughs) So I'm building multiple businesses. And I'll buy a house in a day. Right? But if you take all your money and you build a house, you've got no money left to build a field. And now you're you're impoverished. Are you with me? Or you're living at low level. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I'm believing for heaven's economy in my life. Are you with me? So for me, that changed the way that I looked at the world. Because I've been reading this book for years, since I was a boy. A wise farmer establishes his field first. Because a field, once established, can produce a crop every year. Sometimes multiple times a year. And now you've got cash flow. Cash flow now builds a house while you've still got cash flow. Are you with me? So it's just a simple thing, but that's a life-changing thing. Okay. So how much of the word have you got in you? Single people? That book will teach you the values of who to get. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The problem is, is we've got so much media right now telling us to pursue looks and certain behavioral attributes, but we haven't got anyone telling us to go after character unless you read the book. So good. See, in a minute here, you've been married three, four years. The looks are important. They are. But the way the person emotionally has, has been healthy and healed, the way the person's developed character and integrity, that, costs, that counts for everything. Cute body and a cute face don't mean nothing if you ain't got character and integrity. Matter of fact, what it will mean is it will mean heartache and tragedy. You can't, you can't pay for that kind of damage. Okay, I'm having fun today. Someone's like, oh, it was the wrong day to come to that church. <laughs> Can you imagine the conversations that people are having right now while they're watching online? This is a precious, man. This is priceless. Okay, so what does my prayer life look like? How much Bible have I consistently read? See, it's like, you know, it's like coming off a donut and burrito diet. It's like that first salad you had is like you're cringing having grandpa's cough mixture. Right? That first Caesar salad you eat. And it's like, but after a while, the more salads you eat, you start to get an appetite for them. And as you do that with the Word of God, you start to crave the Word of God until you actually need to feed on the Word. Your spirit needs to... Look, I'll never forget this. When I was in my... I, was, I think I was around 18, 19. I think I was 19 years old. My grandma, who had been a devout Christian her whole life, woman of God, prayed for me her whole life. She was dying of cancer on her deathbed. She was in the latter stages of dying with cancer. You know what she you know what she her you know what her request was on her deathbed? Read the word to me. I need the word. 
because her, her body was weak. She couldn't talk much, but her spirit was strong. Come on, somebody. We need the word. See, a lot of the time that we have, right now there's epidemics of depression right across the planet. You know why? Because people have fed their soul. And a soul is top-heavy emotions. But if you feed your spirit, your spirit takes charge and puts your emotions in their right place and puts it in check. Does this make sense? Okay, I'm going to try and wrap this up in the next 10 minutes. Is that all right? Here's the next question. How much time have I been with God by myself? Well, let's have a little group get together. Let's, let's, let's do a social event every night of the week. Right? Even coming to church isn't substituting for you with God by yourself. How much time have you taken all of your, your media and your phone communication gadgets, turned your TV off, and put your phone and everything that could steal your attention away, and sat in a room and just had worship and you and Jesus? How often does that happen in your life? Just a question. I'm not telling anyone how to live. But I do want you to be with him. Because it will change your life. It will radically shift the way you see the world and the way you either progress or regress in 2020. I don't know what's making that noise, but God bless it. Next, next point. Has my life been scheduled? If you don't plan to succeed, by default, you're planning to fail. It's like I talked to you about, like, if you, if you just get a boat, if we, get, if we go rent to like a 60-foot sailboat and I get as many of you as I can and we stuff onto that, onto that boat and I just point out to the horizon, like, yeah, that's approximately a little bit west. And it's like, lift the mainsail, fellas, let's go. And we just start cruising. It's like, hopefully, guys, hopefully, like, you know, we get to Hawaii and then a little bit of time passes and a few people start looking at me funny and I'm like, oh no, it's great. Let's go fishing. Let's put some fishing rods over the side. Everything's great. Stay distracted, right? And then we end up in China and there's the Red Army like pointing guns at us. It's like, that's not a good day because you, you fail to plan. It's actually very scary. <coughs> Has my life been scheduled? See, here's the deal. We're so busy saying yes to every social event because, well, what if this is where my husband is? What if where my wife is? I need to be at this. I need to be at that. Oh, it's 2021. And Jesus is like, yep, I'm over here. Didn't get any time. Savior of the world, but not your life. Or do you think Jesus is like, oh no, it's great. No, I didn't need your time anyways. Which one of those two do you think it is? Actually, you don't need, he doesn't need your time as much as you need his. Oh Jesus, we cast out demons for you. We raised the dead. We healed the sick. We prophesied these amazing 2020 prophecies, God. Apart from me, I never knew you. Now that's an interesting thought because from the time you were before you were born, when I knit you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. Right? But it's a different type of knowing. 
It's the knowing of intimacy where you've invested time with him. It's not just showing up to church going, check. Well, Lord, we went to church most weeks. Well, some weeks. I never knew you. We were never friends. You just ate loaves and fishes on the hillside when I did miracles and clapped when good things happened. But you also jeered when you didn't appreciate things that happened. See, your friend prioritizes time. Okay, every, Jesus, Jesus in 2020, every Wednesday night is you and me. See, when I was single, I would spend a lot of time helping people because I, I led three home groups and I was doing a lot in ministry stuff. But I would go out by myself and I'd sit at a restaurant and I'd pull the chair out. I don't care. I mean, in New Zealand, it's not even like America where people have relatively a respect for God. In New Zealand, people are anti-Christ for the most part. It's honestly the truth. But I would go and find a little two-seater. Like I'm on a, I'm on a little date. Can I have two seats, please? People look at me like, yeah, I'm like, don't worry. He's going to shop in a minute. I go, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd just go pull the chair out and I'd sit down and I'd order my meal and I'd just start talking to the chair. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's so funny. You're real crazy. <laughs> but I was talking to my friend. You see? And he was talking to me. Sometimes we're so, we're like, oh, I just, I just need to be real spiritual, God. And assume the posture. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, God. Hang on. Wait up, Jesus. Wait up. Instagram. I just need people to see that I'm being spiritual for five minutes. I don't. I don't tell the world what me and this lady do in private. Now that sounds pretty shocking to some of you, but you don't need to tell the world what you do with Jesus. And neither do I. I don't tell all the revelations and everything he tells me because that's not for everyone. See, you have to have personal time with him. There's things that he tells me that gives me confidence. When you don't have confidence, you have to kind of pull some kind of act to seem real bold and powerful and it's just an act and that's why there's so many fake preachers out there because he's not their friend someone hearing this today I, I have to wrap this up am I busy prioritizing social events or have I made consistent effort to be alone with him intimacy is your game changer in 2020 intimacy reading his word, prayer, and fellowshipping with him as a friend. When I was 21 years old, I was taken up to heaven by two angels. Most of you have heard the story. And the way that I spent time with Jesus was not some religious ritual where I sat in some throne room and it was like some kind of like legal interaction. We sat and and cross-legged sat in sand and talked like friends for hours. Jesus wants to be your friend, not your bail bonds officer. Come on, so good. Come on, somebody. 
He wants to be your friend. It's tragic when Jesus paid the ultimate price and you only visit with him once every, every few months. But you struggle with sin. Sin, when we have addictions, like, can I just, can be real? Because I know it's a big problem. When we have addictions like lust, chemical addictions, alcohol addictions, pornography stuff, when that is a major stronghold in your life, what you've actually done is what you're really saying is, I'm too afraid to be intimate with Jesus because of what I'll need to confront in my heart. And so instead, I'll romance these things and these will be my lovers and I will distract myself. We don't, we, oh no, that's not how it is. It's how it is. Yeah. It's exactly how it is. And we don't want to, see, we're our biggest deceivers. We blame the devil for all this deception. We deceive ourselves. The Bible even says, do not blame God when you're tempted. You were dragged away by your own lusts and desires. He didn't say the devil. He said your own lusts and desires. Someone hearing this? So, so we have to take ownership. It's like, okay, so what has defeated me in 2019? Has it been loneliness? Because there's a cure for loneliness. You can be happy and single. Listen, no amazing suitor is going to come over and scoop you off your feet because you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. That's a hallmark messed up movie. Totally. <laughs> 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 then all of a sudden you put your makeup on and it's Prince Charming shows up. No. <laughs> That's just a weird movie. Okay. Learn to be comfortable alone with him. And you'll become complete. And in that completeness, you'll become attractive to the person God will send to you. Don't do it so you can get married. That's just like, well, Jesus, I'm just using you right now so you can make me look good. This was supposed to be just some nice questions. I don't know how it ended up here. I, I have no idea. Just take it up with Jesus. But be comfortable with him. And when you are, you'll watch things in your life. See, here's the deal. When I invest time with Jesus, something transacts between his heart and mine that causes me to fall out of love with the crutches that I used to feed on. They are not attractive to me anymore. It's like now I've eaten salad for like 90 days. And I, you know what, let's go taste the burger. Ooh, that's real grease. It's too much grease. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not, but you know what? <laughs> Some of you were trying to go with that, but I'm just going to have to call you out of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because your appetite shifts. So I'm feeding, on, I'm, I'm with Jesus. He's fulfilling me. I feel so complete. I feel so whole. Yeah. That stuff doesn't call my name anymore. Because it's low-level cheap thrills that destroy me and make me feel like I'm dying on the inside. And I hate that experience. Okay. See, there's one scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about fear of the Lord in January. The fear of the Lord. Okay, because we need to talk about the fear of the Lord. But this scripture, the fear of the Lord will, will cause a man or a woman to depart from evil. 
Now, the fear of the Lord is an, oh, watch out. God's going to lightning bolt you. Oh, watch out. God's trying to figure out how to throw his Thor's hammer at you and wipe you out of the kingdom. Like, that's not fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, let, let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. I love this woman so much. I am so in love with her. I've seen her heart. I've seen the way she cares for me and my family, my children. I've seen, I'm so deeply in love with her that I want to do things that make her happy. And I don't want, I want to find out the things that hurt her and naturally avoid them. That's the fear of the Lord. It's healthy respect at, a high, at the highest level because of the immense value that I've placed on that person. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not the terror of God. The terror of God is going to be on those that have rejected Jesus when he returns. The terror of God is going to come on the devil when he's cast into the lake of fire and I'm eating popcorn watching it. Yes. I want to see that an instant replay for the next million years. Hello. Can I get extra butter? Because I know there's no cholesterol. <laughs> for real. The fear of the Lord will cause you to depart from evil. See, evil has sabotaged you in areas in 2019. Now, we might not call it evil. We might call it whoopsie. Right. Because we like, we're masters at playing down our failures. Well, it wasn't really a failure. It was a learning experience. But in Orange County, we are masters at renaming things so we look better. But God is a pragmatist. He's not into branding. He's into honesty. Hello. He's into honesty. And there's certain areas where it's like, okay, I did really well in 2019 in these areas, but in these areas I didn't do well. And I think I can track that I didn't do well because I wasn't as close to Jesus as I should have been. See, yesterday I went with my, my best friend over here, Ricky Bobby. And we went, it's like, I'm Cal and you're Bobby. Ricky Bobby, shake and bake. I'm the magic man. So we, we, went out to, um, we went up to Fontana and we jumped on a, uh, we went on some supercars. So like I had a Lamborghini Huracan and you had a Ferrari F48, 488. Super fast cars. I mean, these cars are going to like zero to 60 in like less than three seconds. It's like, dude, you better just check up your salvation real quick before you jump in the car. Because if it goes south, man, bye. It's super fast. But in those cars, we had professional drivers sitting there coaching us. Now, for sure, they told me in the last five to seven years that, the guys, that this particular guy has been um, doing, these, uh, doing this as a job. They've not had one crash. But I can guarantee you, if, if people went out in that car that didn't have experience, without the driver sitting there next to you, they'd be write-offs all the time. These cars are like between quarter of a million and five, six hundred thousand dollars. They're expensive cars. Okay, so this, my driver, his name was Andrew as well. Okay, what a lucky guy. So <laughs> he, he sat next to me. This car was so fast. I mean, honestly, you almost need a spare pair of underwear. It's like, <laughs> this thing was so quick. Okay. <laughs> this thing was so quick. And he would stand there and he would say, okay, drop it down to fourth. 
fourth gear because it's got you've got paddles. Fourth, fifth, brake, brake now, brake now, turn, turn, turn. You see, and so he he is like Holy Spirit. And last year, some of us were driving without a, the Come Cove on. pilot. And we had some wipeouts. Okay? But you've got to get your co-pilot in the seat. You've got to get your co-pilot. This is the way. Come on. Take this turn. No, don't do that. That's not for you. You're better than that. It looks good now, but it's going to be bad. Don't stop, stop, stop. You see? So if I can encourage you with these three things, very simple but so, so, so relevant. Prayer. Make time to talk to God and give him time to talk back. Number two, read the book. Commit to three, four chapters if you can a day. Look, honestly, you can listen to the chapters, but it's better if you can read along. And it only takes three to five minutes to read one chapter. Three to five minutes, that's nothing. So you can read three, four chapters a week, a day. It's not that hard. Three to four. Look, it's like, oh, that's so hard. I feel, dude, you watched three hours of Netflix last night. You're scrolling more of your, your, your news feed um, on f- Facebook and Instagram. We can do that for three hours at a time. It's like, oh, I don't know where the time went. Bless me, bless me. Uh, and it's like, oh, 15 minutes of reading the Bible. Oh, God. So hard. <laughs> right? So, so get the book in you. Some, like I said before, some of it's discipline. No, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to schedule my life and I'm going to do this on purpose. Look, I don't, I'm not married to this woman by mistake. I'm not some yobbo, I'm not some yobbo that showed up at the church is like, huh? I was just following the spirit. I've had to intentionally pursue this woman and date her and buy her stuff. Okay? That's how it works. It's not accidental. And the same is true with God. It's like, oh yeah, God's just somewhere out there looking out for me. He's not watching us from a distance. He's up close. Okay? Number three. Be intimate with him. Spend time. Get lost in worship and just sit at his feet. Stop being so busy that you're too busy to shut yourself in for a night and just play worship and cry and laugh and weep and talk and just be with him and let him talk to you. Those three things can change your life and break the back of the sin stuff that has tried to cripple you and paralyze you and tell you that you're not going to make it. 2020 can be the best year of your life if you just say yes. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you that you're a God of encouragement. And even though we've felt little pinches today of conviction and seeing some things in our lives that we don't even want to admit, God, we just thank you that you're a loving God that will tell us the truth, not coddle us and pretend like things aren't there. And so today, God, we just ask that you would help us this next year, that you would help us to conquer giants and to slay the giants of yesterday and the giants of tomorrow. That this next year would be the greatest year of victory. That we wouldn't let the enemy have one victory this next year. And that you would help us to conquer 
our, our weaknesses and the areas where we've compromised and been stagnant and that we would be at this place next year with so much joy because of progress and victory. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. We thank you for 2019, and we worship you for 2020. We thank you that you're going to help us and that we're going to grow this next year like never before. Now, while everyone's got their heads bowed, if you're here and you're, and you're not right with Jesus, you've heard the gospel today basically in everything I've talked about. He loves you, and he wants to change your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free from brokenness, from shame, from rejection, from, from feeling like you're, you're a slave to sin and guilt and aloneness and darkness. If that's you and you need Jesus here today, would you just lift your hand up? Just raise your hand. And I'm going to pray for you at the end. But if you know that you need Jesus, I just want, want to give you an opportunity. If you know that you haven't been living right this last year, you go by the label of Christian, but you feel the furthest from it in your heart. If you feel like you've been so defeated this year and you've been living like a hypocrite and nobody knows but you, or even if it's just little things where you know that you've backslidden your heart, I'm just going to invite you right now to cross a line today with me and say, Jesus, I just really recognize that I've been living in stagnancy when I should have been thriving. And I should have been spending time with you, but I've been neglecting you as much as I possibly thought I could get away with. And I'm gonna change that today, God. I'm gonna go all in today. I'm coming all in. If that's you, just raise your hand. Come on, I see those hands, that's awesome. Come on, don't be ashamed. Jesus isn't a God of condemnation. He's actually just so excited that you're just acknowledging this moment right now. If that's you, just come up the front right now. We're going to pray. If you, if you know you just need to cross this line, come on, let's just move up the front. Jesus, we're coming across the line. We're going all in. We've had areas of compromise. We've had areas where we might not have even been doing anything really wrong. But we've just been feeling like there's just been stuff in our heart that's been not on fire. We've been lukewarm. And we need to cross over right now. Jesus, we're here to let you know, God, at 2020, you have all of us. In 2020, you have our whole heart, God. Not just some of it, the whole thing. That's it. Just come up the front. Let's just do this. In Jesus' name. Father, we're here right now. We just really are responding tonight to what you've been saying in this room. If you're watching online, just put your hand on your heart. We're responding right now to what you've been saying in this room. And we ask God that you would come, that you would wash us of shame and guilt, that you would wash us of stagnancy and that you would put the flame of your fire, the fire of your spirit deep down in our heart and that you would set us on fire, God. We don't want to live lukewarm. We don't want to live halfway in, halfway out. We don't want to live playing with the world. How far away, how close to the line can we get, God? We don't want to live like that. We want to live all in for you. So we ask, God, that you would take us and that you would revolutionize our lives in Jesus' name, that you would help us to conquer sin by living intimately with you, God, that you would help us to con conquer 
uh, secret compromise by being uh, spending time with you, God, and reading your word and praying and talking to you, God, letting you talk to us. So Jesus, right now, we just bless you. We ask you to bless these people. We bless everyone in this room, everybody watching. I just declare that heaven, heaven would come right now and just help. That fresh fire would be kindled in hearts. In Jesus' name, fresh fire, fresh fire in Jesus' name. Fresh fire in Jesus' name. Fresh fire in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Your mercy's new every morning. You don't, you're not a condemning God. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. He came to save us. So when we have seasons of weakness or we're broken, God's there. To, he's there to restore us. We've just got to lose. We've just got to get into disagreement with that stuff that's been dragging us down. In Jesus' name. Come on, mercy. You're new every morning. We just call on you, mercy, to come and be good to us. We all need to call on mercy every day. New mercy, God. New mercy. New mercy. Thank you, Jesus. New mercy, God. Fresh fire. Come and purge us, God. All the stuff that's halfway in the gray area, God, just come and burn it out. Lord, that we'd be completely pure and devoted to you, God. Holy sold out. Set on fire. Devoted. Yielded. Committed 100% in Jesus' name. We bless you, God. We love you. We thank you that you're for us. We thank you that you're for us. Jesus' name, fresh fire. Fresh fire. Jesus' name, fresh fire. That's it, fresh fire. Fresh. Fresh on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Well, that's the service for today, guys. Remember.